0: Good day fellow investors, welcome to the Modern Value Investing Podcast with Sven Karlin, where we compound investment returns as well as investment knowledge in order to help you achieve your financial goals. Good day fellow investors, I thank you all for your stock suggestions and in this video we're going to spend some time analyzing 10 European companies. Now, when you make a suggestion, I beg you one thing to really elaborate on why. Don't just put the ticker because that wastes my time and any other people that's reading the comment. But really elaborate, get me interested, tell us why should I research this, why are you long this. So let me know what do you own in the comments and why, so that we really add value in the comment section when discussing stocks. And as you see, I'm doing a lot of these videos, so there will be more and more stock analysis and As we learn about businesses, as we discuss businesses, our business knowledge should compound over time and that should allow for higher returns over time and lower risk. If you like low risk and high returns, smash that like button and consider subscribing if you haven't. In this video, I also will discuss a lot about the industry. Most of these companies also traded in the Americas, so not really trading focus on europe but most of the businesses are a little bit focused on europe some are international so a good perspective of also the european industry and what's going on there i haven't looked at the market capitalization so i first made the analysis and now i'll look at the stock price with you so let me show what's going on so let me discuss continental if we look at morningstar the title is simple headwinds hit continental and their fair value is twice the current stock price so i get the interest there that it must be undervalued and likely a bargain to buy now so very very interesting company if we look at the business we have seen growth and then stagnation a little bit here i don't know whether they divested something or not decline a little bit in margins also and then also volatile net income it was a great period for tire makers up to 2018 but then it already started going a little bit lower They have reinstated the dividend, not as high as this one, but if this is the potential, if these cash flows are the potentials, then it is severely undervalued. If you can get 4.75 on the current stock price, that is really, really remarkable. But they have to improve the business to get there. They have recently announced a 2.20 euro dividend that is already something and If we look at the business a little bit deeper, there are a lot of headwinds. So, supply and logistics situation, and then, of course, inflation headwinds and material influence on margins. And if those headwinds persist, that is then going to not allow the improvement everyone wants to see. And here we have further cost increases for raw materials, energy, and logistics and that is the big issue here those are the headwinds plus other headwinds when costs increase spending increases so we might see less spending and therefore also lower margins lower sales lower everything which then leads to an ugly position keep in mind this industry is a cyclical industry so you have these periods of booming and then periods of a little bit more ugly. That's key to understand. And we can immediately see the lockdowns, everything, but lower production of cars, lower sales growth. And if we go into a recession, we might also see this trend continue. Of course, the expectations are more positive for the year but there are also lower production of commercial vehicles in Europe for example growth in United States lower in China so that is already something to think about and worldwide also significantly lower due to logistics chips whatever are the issues but might also be due to lower demand so cost inflation car prices going higher Interest rates. Keep in mind, a lot of cars were sold on zero interest rate loans, which is crazy, which means that really the last 10 years have been a boom period for cars. If the next 10 years are higher interest rates, a car at 2% or at 9% is a huge difference. And that is something you have to keep in mind when analyzing businesses like Continental. But if we look deeper, we have a dividend cut since things started going south after 2018. Okay, now they have reintroduced a payout ratio, and they want to go back, of course, to previous levels. However, they say there is a 3.5 billion euro headwind in their free cash flows, which is extremely significant. But the question is, for how long will that headwind be there? There is high competition, it's a no-mode business, and it all depends on demand on the automotive sector that was really booming Thanks to the free money, thanks to the zero interest rates and that liquidity in the market, in the consumer is now reverting. Less businesses, less investing, less everything. Because the company really enjoyed also the European industry or the ECB printing money tailwind. That is something that we have to think about when we analyze the business. Okay, there is the macro. We can't predict the macro, but we have to understand how it impacts the business. And we can see this. As a huge tailwind, if we look at the coupons, at the interest rates that Continental is borrowing money, that's simply ridiculous. So really, really relative medium term borrowing, medium term maturity at ridiculous interest rates. Can you imagine borrowing something to invest in something for practically no cost, especially now with inflation higher? this is ridiculous. It is a benefit, but if you look at the balance sheet, there is not that much that $4 so that's okay. There is this issue that also plagues a lot of these older European companies, which are long-term employee benefits. So it is there something to think about, of course, also shorter-term issues that push those cash flows lower. And therefore, it is not something that you would say great business, but Okay, interesting. So if we can remove those headwinds, we are back to 4 euros dividend, which would be great. But that is something you have to watch. Those headwinds and how those headwinds materialize and evolve over the cycle. And now let's take a look at the stock price. Of course, 4 euro dividend would be something special, but... If we look at what the market is seeing, they are really, really seeing huge headwinds. Since 2018, since the boom in the industry, the stock is down 71%, which is a big, big hit. And yes, it looks cheap. The price earnings ratio is 11.5, which is really cheap. The dividend yield is okay, especially if they manage to double it. But... It tells us that the market is seeing that these booms and in the industry and the car industry in Europe, etc., might not be have a stellar outlook over the longer term. And that is what they are pricing in, and that's what's priced in also in the stock. Of course, it's better to buy here when the sentiment is negative than here, but you have to also understand that it can even go lower 14 14 billion market cap if i look at the total equity we are there so it's practically trading at book value which is again very interesting to buy a cyclical at but you have to understand the risk and reward depending on how the cycle continues to develop and this is a video i made two years ago on peter lynch's six stock categories i don't know why it has so low views, but it's a core video that I made. And it also explains investing in cyclicals and When you understand the cycle, you really know, okay, I need to buy this kind of company when things look really, really bad. You can see here the really, really bad versus the good or the medium term to buy. So really, really bad, this stock was at 12. Then it boomed in the cycle. So if you can nail this, when things start improving, that's the time to buy cyclicals. European crisis and the market is likely expecting another Crisis here. And of course, it's better to buy here than here or here. So if you want to start nibbling, it should be a good company. It should not go away. That that isn't really crazy. So it should be an okay one. But we'll discuss more about the thesis when we compare all the companies at the end of the video tomorrow as I'll do five in this video and five tomorrow part two. All right next talk a lot of requests there ISML. So I did in 2011 I did a complete analysis of the Amsterdam Stock Exchange. I'll put the link in the description below. So this is on my uh, blog. You can check also what I do my research platform also in this video. And if you look here I looked at every company in the Amsterdam Stock Exchange wrote about it a little bit about the most interesting. But here is ISML Holding, and I made a video discussion as part of the Euro stocks there. I'll put also that link in the description below. And I discussed it and said that it is a good business but a little bit overpriced. You can find it at 3 minutes 34 if you are interested. And we also made a valuation here in my table that you can download in the link in the description below for free. And there is a premium one on my research platform, but here there is a lot of information for you to play around. And if we look at ISML, I took the dividend as a starting point for valuation. I took fast growth rate for dividends and a high terminal multiple. That's what 2.2% dividend yield expected. So even with such great growth, expecting a 10% return on investment, the intrinsic value for me was 210. And if we look at here, we can see that it is still far, far from the 210 for a normal return on investment. And yes, they really boomed here on exuberance and everything, but that trend, the tech, the craziness is a little bit reverting now and they are going down. But if they just go back to the normal trends here, then it's already showing uh, still a little bit of exuberance despite the huge prices and the booming here. It was again another gamble stock tech and everything. And that trend is just reverting. So, ASML. It's a great business, looks like a great business, the business is going to be there for longer, growing and everything, but the only issue is the price. If I look here, at the balance sheet know that so proposed dividend 25% growth here so really really booming they expect 16-20% growth in their sectors so really really well they have been increasing that dividend at a staggering pace but keep in mind the cycle in the industry these increases weren't as staggering as this one so really enjoying Great years here, and now we have to see how those years, also without the buybacks, maybe a little bit slowing down, fit the stock price in the long term. My valuation says that, It will take some time to get this to a fair risk and reward valuation. For me, too expensive now, just that. The next company on the list is Vopak, the storage facility of the world, we can say. Oil, chemical products, etc. If we look at the company, they are really shaping the future, but really also providing the essential infrastructure for the world we live in. They want to invest more in gas terminals, 1 billion over the next eight years. They want to also new energies, batteries, whatever. Also invest 2 billion ahead. Keep in mind the 2 billion later for the comparison. If you look at what they own, they have really, really 79 terminals, a lot of capacity, a lot of storage. Number one independent LNG infrastructure provider. So, really, really good. Number one provider with 18 terminals in China. So, really globally diversified. But their issue is the cash return and they want to hit it. They want to hit the 10% level by 2025. As you can see here, really, really diversified across the globe. But mainly focused from Europe, especially Rotterdam. And they are managing their portfolio, diversifying a little bit away from oil, going for gas and new energies, a little bit more industrials, also lowering the chemicals. That's their strategy, divesting, buying. And their target is for at least 10% operating cash return, which is what they hit in 2021 lower than earlier so there is a slight decline there there is some debt also and this is also very important with these companies it's not only about refinancing is that when you hit these covenant levels if there is a crash or something or panic or pessimism then you are in trouble because then the banks are telling you the terms of what happens next. And that's why you don't think just of refinancing a loan or even worse, a lot of you comment or if the interest rate goes from two to three percent, it isn't a big deal. The deal is in reaching those covenants, breaching those covenants, and then being at the mercy of the debt holders. That's something very important to understand for us investors. And this is a great example. Nevertheless, the long-term outlook is for 10% by 2025. They want to maintain a healthy leverage and grow their dividend policy. There is also the issue that Rotterdam is the hub with the largest percentage of European oil imports from Russia. That's a headwind. And then also ING lowered its target on Wopec because of Rotterdam. And then also they want to see more green plants. How are they going to develop over time? But if I look at this, it is a stable company. Net income is volatile depending on the times, but pretty stable if you look at long term. Book value per share is there and the free cash flows allows for the dividend payment, but they are really, really investing a lot. And as I said in my analysis also on the Amsterdam Stock Exchange, it's a good company, looks good, but don't expect miracles there. And if we look at the stock price, given the situation, of course, in Russia, it is degrading a little bit. But. Again, don't expect miracles there, and uh, they did good, especially with higher oil prices here, and then stagnating, stagnating. They're paying a good dividend, 5%, and if they can keep it, they might keep it. It's just, what's this, 100-something million per year compared to the market cap, so Interesting, but not really staggering or not really stellar that I would say, OK, now I'm, I'm going to do something about it. Vopak is Vopak. There are the assets. There is the dividend. Let's say, let's call it a value play, but one that can also be a long time boring, ugly value play. I hope for businesses with more tailwinds than one that's based on Europe as a starting point. And I know many of you might be watching this. So uh, 46, really, really high. But also keep in mind that here, the expected interest rate for dividend yield was 1%, 2%. Everyone was happy with everything. Now it's not that much higher, especially for, let's say, a dividend stock like this. Now 5% is already something. And you see also here what happens when that dividend goes down. If interest rates go up and those are going up, then this might not be such a stellar dividend anymore. That's also something to keep in mind. Now, I prefer businesses with long-term tailwinds, with long-term things ahead. This is now, with all the infrastructure, a highly competitive business, especially given the liquidity. So I have nothing more to add here. Interesting, you should not do terrible, I think, if you invest it, especially if you play around with those cycles a little bit, buy more when the market is pessimistic, sell when the market is positive, but that's about it. As I said, no miracles. Now, let's talk about a company that I never really liked and I think I was good not to like it. So many requests to analyze Philips as this has been going on. So the stock is down 60% over the last year. It has been volatile over... Time boomed, and now it's back to where it was in 2015-16. So there have been some uh, divestitures, etc. So, okay, there is some value, but now it looks like a price earnings ratio of 5, 4.27% dividend yield from such a company. And of course, many of you are very, very interested. But if we look at what's going on now, UBS sets Philips on the sell list, because because they see bigger issues with the legal issues related to their respiratory machines so that's something that's plaguing the company and we have to see how it Will end up. So it is still an FDA bet. And as I said, also here in my Philips analysis, just one list here. Philips and Unilever are on my blacklist stocks. And and as I said here, Philips a bet on the FDA decision i never liked the company too old too slow bad capital allocator and the funny thing here is ubs sets it at sell now on 16 of june 2022 so they put it on the sell list now here why didn't they do it here no they do it here that's analysts i will never understand it but let's look deeper and if we look at the company the investor relations there's also nice latest consensus and if you click here you get a really really nice overview of what the analysts are expecting for philips there so really really also what the ebitda will be so really good numbers ahead from their perspective there so they can reach those 3 billion again so good things expected and also 2.68 earnings expected in a few years if things go well but 2.6 earnings would give you this what's this 12 13 15 earnings yield which is remarkable but if we look at what's going on Philips wants to be the tech leader in health, okay? They are really growing globally and they want to create free cash flow by 2025, great return on investment. That's all their plan. But in between a plan and reality, there is always something with Philips. They want to make half a billion of share repurchases or even less divided by four, 300 million and pay the dividend of 0.85. So if they can keep the dividend, that's already something plus the 300, 400 million buybacks per year. That's another return of 1-2%. So Philips is now looking for a 5% return long term. But of course, they need to manage litigation risk. And I really don't know how will this go. Philips is not such a big company. With 17 billion, you're not that powerful. So a few billion of fines might really, really hit them. So we don't know what will the outlook be. If I look at the cash flows, they do okay-ish, but again, nothing spectacular compared to the market cap. So even if they get good results from the litigation risks, I still don't see it. For me, it's an old company. They're trying constantly to reinvent themselves, but not. So I don't know. Let me know in the comments, where am I wrong? Is it just another Dutch bet where the owners, pension funds, don't think about the management, don't have that edge of being Philips? And that's why I'm really interested in your opinion. Now, next talk. I also didn't like Unilever, but now things might change also. Let me explain. So I really, really didn't like this company because it was led by this, idi- uh, sorry, this CEO that said in 2017, when Buffett wanted to acquire the company, so there is some value in the company as Buffett wanted to acquire it, he said the following. So Paul said, in the end, our strategy in investing is Warren's strategy and my returns have been higher in the last eight years than warren's returns so i think it's better if he leaves us with what we know how to do well unilever tells a growth story so there is nothing wrong double the market growth enormous returns a long-term compounding growth model versus buffett that really hasn't proven they can grow because of the Kraft Heinz acquisition. All right, let's look at the stock. So 2017, when Buffett wanted to buy it, so it is down 20% since a pure, what was it, a cash offer. If you had bought Berkshire with the money Warren offered you, you would have been up 50%. So that's Warren Buffett, that's the... Paulman ED, uh, yes, sorry, that is the case, but things have changed. We have a new CEO and therefore we have to reanalyze the company. And if you want to click here, you can also find my 2000, what was this, 2019 article about the bad management and how I really don't like Unilever, despite what looks good like fundamentals, etc. But now things might be different as five years have passed since. So also, what Paulman did is he increased leverage significantly to make acquisitions to grow. And that is always a burden because 6 billion versus the current 20 billion is something different for any company, especially with increasing interest rates. So, new CEO, maybe new style. Let's see. If I look at the company, they have been stagnating since 2015, so much about. They knowing how to grow better than Buffett. Some buybacks, slow growth in the dividend, but good free cash flows. And this is what it makes us already interesting. This is in euros. So 52 billion Revenue, three point five four billion customers. That's more than Facebook. So imagine if they go social media. <laughs> no, they are doing these acquisitions and then integrating these smaller companies in their ecosystem. That seems to work well. The guidance is for... Top line growth, a little bit of pressure, of course, on the input side, but they expect to restore margins during 2023 and 2024. They will do a buyback, 1.5 billion likely, so using those free cash flows plus the dividend. And if I look at this, it doesn't look bad. 4% dividend, price earnings ratio of 18, but if they can keep the dividend, do a little bit of buybacks, okay, it's not that much on the market cap let me find the amsterdam exchange this is a little bit better so market cap 110 billion and still 6 billion and free cash flows it's okay it's a good company but looks to me still a little bit pricey of course the decline in euro is a little bit lower because the of the currency but still 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 i would like to see such a good company at the lower prices because now i'm still Paying something similar to what Buffett offered five six years ago. And one point here that I would like to just give us an input from these five stocks and a problem that might be the key with Europe and we'll see next is valuation. Everything is great, so good businesses, good positions, great business, interesting business, nothing wrong, really necessary. Philips, except for the litigation. Li- risk there is cash flows there is everything Unilever amazing brands really global company really really good but if you look at these European companies and if you look at the valuation it is really really there because of zero interest rates for 10 years in europe and no other alternative that is something to think about pension funds just dumping money because there is no alternative and therefore no matter what if i look at these companies the point that i really want to make is valuation thanks for listening if you have any comments please let me know if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a five star review as it means a lot to me thank you and i'll be speaking to you in the next episode